When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here we go! I'm Jack Hughes from Wang Chung. Hey everybody, this is Ivan from Men Without Hats. Hello everybody, this is Francis Dunry from It Bites. Hi everyone, this is Andy from Modern Romance. Hi everyone, this is Charlene. Hi, this is Dennis Seaton from Music EU. Hi, I'm Nick Haywood. Hi, this is Kevin from Fiction Factory. And you're listening to the 80s Rewind Show podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. It's time to bring you yet another amazing episode. And now, welcome your host. Rob, the face for Radio Burgess. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, it's the Ladies Rewind Show podcast with me, Robbie, and welcome along to today's episode. I've got a fantastic episode for you coming up. I've got a little different one for you. Now, don't forget, before we start, like and subscribe, share the show, tell your friends, tell the milkman, tell the baker, tell the candlestick maker, tell everybody you know about the show, spread the love. If you're on the Apple podcast, please write me a review because it really helps. I hate all this sort of stuff, but, you know, you've got to get the word out there sometimes. You've got to get the word out there. I've got to say a massive thank you and hello to everybody that's listening around the world. I've got people in the United States. I've got people in Poland, Canada, Belgium, Germany, Norway, Jersey, Burma. Wow, that's crazy. Spain. Where else have we got? We've got uh, Sweden, Brazil, Denmark, France, India, Ireland, Italy, Japan, Mexico, the Netherlands, uh, Turkey, the UAE, and the Isle of Man. That's crazy. What can I say but thank you and welcome? That's what I love about the podcast. It's global. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. So thank you so much for checking that out. Um, don't forget, as I love to give back to you guys for tuning in and checking out the podcast, if you go to the 80s Rewind Show website, which is www.the80spod.com. So go to the website, go to exclusive to site, and on there you'll find tracks that have been released to me by the artists. There's a couple there by Fiction Factory, uh, Modern Romance, and Peter Core from the Lotus Eaters. You can't get these tracks anywhere. They're exclusive to the 80s Rewind Show podcast website. How cool is that? That's really cool, isn't it? And it's all there, it's all for you, and it's all free. Go on and check those tracks out. They're absolutely fantastic. Well, on to today's show. Now, we just talked about the show being global, and this is a perfect version of that. My good friend Robbie, my brother from another mother, my American cousin, uh, my podcast twin, if you like, agreed to come on and talk to me all about his amazing podcast, Living in the 80s, uh, where him and his friends discuss different topics of the 80s, uh, whether it be movies, breakup songs, songs they didn't like, and one-hit wonders. It's a fantastic podcast. If you get a chance, check it out. It's really, really good. Yet again, if you go to the 80s Rewind Show website and go to the section called 80s Goodies, go down. There's a direct link to Robbie's website. In this episode, we talk about the history of the podcast, cassette tapes, and the golden age of telly. Oh, and a film I haven't watched. Let's get to it. So, let's start at the beginning. What, what sort of music was in the house when you was growing up? What was you listening to? Were your parents musical? Did they play a lot of music in the house? Yeah, there was always music being played at the house. Um, so, my parents, being children of the 50s, teenagers of the, the early 60s, so there was a lot of uh, 60s doo-wop kind of stuff. Um, I remember my my, uh, my mom was a big fan of Herman's Hermits. So we learned, heard a lot of that. Uh, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. 
Um, a lot of Elvis, yeah, Elvis, Buddy Holly, Everly Brothers. Uh, so in, in that era, that 50s transitioning into the 60s, that that's what I heard, you know, very early. And then at, probably simultaneously, they listened to uh, country music, <laughs> which, uh, boy, 70s country was rough. <laughs> so, but that's all I knew uh, up until, you know, probably my uh, eight or nine years old, you know, I would start um, swapping records with friends and stuff. So I'm, you know, at that age getting turned on to like the beach boys and the Eagles uh, with somebody I was liked a lot as a kid. So again, the, the typical, you know, back then, you know, not a lot of exposure to a lot of rock and roll. So like the Bee Gees uh, <laughs> stuff like that. That's what I was listening to back then. And, you know, up until I became a teenager and then my mind got blown over and over and over again by music. So yeah. <laughs> you know how it is. You listen to what mom and dad's listening to until uh, yeah. until that time comes when you got to break free. I mean, amazing. I mean, I've seen the Bee Gees and the Eagles. They're great bands to be brought up. <laughs> Have you really? Now I, yeah. I, I saw the Eagles, the last tour they had uh, with Glenn Fry. So it was, uh, I, I'm going to guess uh twenty. 14 maybe yeah and it was the opening night of their american tour and it was phenomenal now we didn't know that a year year and a half later he'd be gone yeah but it, that was that was such a an epic moment for me that was that was awesome i saw him in i think it was 1996 and they had um don felder with him as well Oh, was it the Hell Freezes Over tour? It was, yeah. So it would have been that yeah. tour as well. And that was that was amazing. And then um, for people that are not Eagles fans, they had a big falling out around 1980. So this, for this yeah. to happen <laughs> was amazing. Yeah. And Joe Walsh had a suit that looked like it was a brick wall. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember I remember, I, I remember that. Well, the, the falling out, when it all happened, it was like just so much infighting in the band. Everyone just wanted to take creative control of the band. And then Don Henley said, we'll get the back together again when Hell Freezes Over. <laughs> so the Hell Freezes Over tour happened 15 years later. It's and, amazing. Uh, so many bands after that started doing reunion tours going, heck, look, the Beatles are making millions now. Or not the Beagles. <laughs> the Beagles. Easy for me to say. The Eagles <laughs> are making millions now. We should do it. So you see all these bands reuniting and getting stuff together. Even still today, it's like, hey, if we could make a paycheck. People still remember us. Let's do it. So, <laughs> I yeah. make them right as well. If people are interested, if you listen, to, there's a documentary called "The History of the Eagles." It's about three hours long, I think. Isn't oh it? yes, I, I have that on Blu-ray and digital. <laughs> so, yeah, yes, and it, and I've watched it a couple of times. It's it great, is brilliant. Yeah, it goes through a lot of history, and uh, I mean, it's quite um, you know claws out in places as well. They don't hold back, which is nice. It's not a fluffy oh, yeah. one. So right, yeah. If anyone hasn't seen it, you got you got to check it out. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. That last tour. Um, that that tour was called the History of the Eagles. So oh, they just they did a retrospective of the whole thing. The video walls behind them were just old scenery and footage, and you know just things with them. And you know they were Linda Ronstadt's backup band once upon a time. So you got to see a lot of a lot of really cool historical stuff. And I don't know about when you saw them, but the sound mix was the best concert I'd ever been to. Yeah, it was, it was sometimes it's yeah. way too much distortion. Maybe amateur sound guys. These guys were worth every penny that they paid them to mix 
That's so brilliant. Absolutely. I saw them at the old Wembley Stadium before they tore it down. And oh, I, I, nice. Yeah, the original nice. Wembley. It was, it was brilliant. And I was walking oh. out. I saw the last gig I ever saw there, which was the last one, was Bon Jovi, funny enough. That was an American actor. Okay. Yeah, I saw them a couple of times. And I, I was coming out, and there was they, they'd started ripping it down. And the next day, they were going to really start tearing it to pieces. They'd already ripped a bit of it. And I came out, and there was a six-foot, six-foot, six-inch bolt just sitting on the floor from the original girders. And, oh, I, I, don't, wow. and I don't know why. I walked past it. I went, oh, there's a bolt on the floor there. <laughs> I didn't even think to pick it up. <laughs> you pick up a souvenir, yeah. <laughs> I, Sorry. I didn't even think so, about it. So Bon Jovi was the last concert at Wembley? It was. It was a Sunday, and then on the Monday they were ripping it down. Wow. I would have think I would have thought it would have been like British royalty, like the Who or somebody yeah. like that would be that last show. But Bon Jovi, figured, that is good trivia. I'm gonna use that at some point. I'm sure that was right. I'm sure that was right. Yeah, yeah it was the next day they bought started bulldozing things. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> So, so they mean, literally tore the house down. They did, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't take <laughs> any home. But <laughs> So, I mean, it's quite a nice segue there. So the Eagles break up in 1980. So we've now just hit the 80s. So what was it like growing up in the 80s in America? Was it like the John Hughes movies? Was it was it good? Was it fun? You had the Reagan era? Was it stifling? What was it like for you? Uh, it was, uh, you know what? It's it's funny because I think we're we're always gravitated towards the the era we grew up in you know it's kind of the music that sticks with us it's the we look at memories because i mean those are the days before you know those are the days of innocence right those are the days before we we knew anything like there were no responsibilities you know your your time was your time you you know once you got your work done and once you know you did what mom and dad told you you know i had a paper route as a kid so that's how i earned my money so once all that was done, like my time was mine. And it was, it, I tell you what, in the, in the States, it was a great time. Um, the way our, our educational system works in the U.S., high school would have, would have started at, at ninth grade. So that would have put me at 14 years old in 1980. Right. And uh, I graduated high school in 1984. So uh, when I see movies like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, like Breakfast Club, like uh, 16 candles those very much remind me of my high school experience wow, uh, just, wow. there's just the pecking order you've got the popular kids you've got the nerdy kids you've got the you know the kids that kind of fall in the cracks um i was more of a like a less cooler version of ferris bueller because <laughs> like i i had lots of friends but I just I didn't really stick with one group all the time. Like, you know, this weekend I might be hanging around with this group of friends, the next weekend another group. So it I mean it was great. The music was awesome, of course. Um weekends going to movies and skating rinks and just you know, driving, just getting in with friends and just riding in the car and just, you know, we'd you'd buy the, the latest cassette and just, you know, turn it up really loud always try to find girls who would just look at you like you had three heads, but you know, it was really cool. It was really cool to, to just, it was very carefree times. It was very fun. Uh, you're talking about the Reagan era. Uh, you know, at the time, you know, 14, 15, 16, those ages, you're not thinking a ton about politics. At least I didn't, I was thinking about uh, rock and roll, where's my next dollar at and girls as yeah. a typical yeah. American kid. And, uh, so politics didn't really affect us too much. Uh, and we're all fans of Reagan, if I remember correctly. You know, he was he seemed to kind of relate more than Jimmy Carter did, the previous president. But uh, yeah, overall, we liked it. 
Good times, good times. <laughs> it's just, you know, growing up in a, in a Britain that was, you know, a bit more Thatcher related. It was all about money in England. You know, it was all yeah. sort of Thatcher and you've if you had money, you're nobody. And I mean, to be fair, it's getting the same now. It's, it's, it's right, sort, right. It's sort of reversed yeah. again. So our impressions looking back is, you know, the that sort of movie era. But you don't, mm-hmm. obviously, a lot of it gets embellished. You don't know how, how secure it was as fact, if you see what I mean. So what, can, right. you remember, can you remember what the first album was you bought in the 80s that really made an effect on you? The first 80s album that I bought, man. Oh, there's so many. Uh, I would say Glass Houses by Billy Joel is the one that sticks out the most. Nice. Because to this point, I was mostly buying singles, 45s. And uh, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, 14-ish start to graduate into buying albums. Now I had a few albums that I would get for Christmas presents from like my grandma and stuff. I had this one in the seventies called Fonzie's favorites. So these are all <laughs> songs from the fifties. Right. And yeah. I listened to that thing a lot, you know, when I was nine, 10 years old, but uh, yeah, glass houses was one um, escape by journey was right around that era. That was a huge one for me. Uh, the River by Bruce Springsteen was another early 80s album that I just, that I absolutely loved. So again, I still mostly bought uh, 45s then, but within the next couple of years, it started, I started transitioning to cassettes because I'm then driving. Yeah. So I'm buying, I'm buying cassette tapes and because I could pop it in the car and just go. And that was, that was nice. So I, I do remember the first non-mixed, tape that i i bought was uh business as usual uh by minute work oh, that's a great and album. uh played that thing to death i <laughs> that thing has held up great too i still listen to that thing today so yeah and is it cargo that's the second album isn't it or the first cargo one? was the second yes yes yeah. but at least here i know that you know they're from australia and i'm not sure if they you know released albums in the same order there as they did here like hey this may be more commercial more you know the Americans may like this better. We'll, we'll release this first. You see that sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, just for, I mean, they're one of those bands of the eighties that's really underrated, aren't they? They just. Oh, I think so. I yeah. think so. And I, I love that that uh, Colin Hay has. Um, these years later, he'll do like a lot of acoustic sets of Minute Work songs. I've yeah. not caught them live yet, but I've heard a lot of it, and I really enjoy it. I know there was a tour that came through here. Oh, a couple months ago, uh, I was in the midst of moving, so I, I didn't have time. But it was Rick Springfield, John Waite, and Colin Hay. Wow. So they would all, you know, take some time, and at the end, they would they would get together and do each other's songs. So, and they on the um, on the Sirius XM, the satellite radio, they had uh, they had a show that had them all together on it. They just did two or three songs just to kind of tease you to get you to come to the concerts. But uh, yeah, it sounded really good. That it's was... amazing. He did a really good version of uh, Overkill with just him in a vocal orchestra. Which yes, on YouTube. I don't know yes. if you've seen it. Yeah, it's amazing. I they're have. Just, they're just in yeah. a room singing. If, if if anyone listens has not seen that, they need to Google that on YouTube. It's brilliant. Oh, absolutely. I totally found, agree. I found it more moving than the original version. <laughs> I, just found... I did too, which is which is cool because I, I I love. I love cover tunes, not because I like to compare them to the originals, but just I like to hear what other people will do with them. But when an artist recreates their own song, like the first time I ever heard this was in 1986, 
when the police did don't stand so close to me 86 do you remember that yeah so they completely reworked the song like they sped up the music and slowed down the vocals it's just like who would ever think that they could do something like that it just always kind of blow me away but so but when i hear somebody like colin hay you know do an acoustic version of their own song and slowing it down uh that's yeah, I love it. That's very cool. Amazing. At the time of recording, I think he's on he's on tour with Ringo Starr at the moment. Oh wow! He's a member of the All Star Band. I'm sure seeing it keeps seeing him with Ringo smiling like a Cheshire cat, like you would if you were. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, yeah. It's like yeah, I, I would love to. I would love to see that that tour. That'd be great. I saw that as well. Funny enough, <laughs> when he Look was at in you. Indian. Yeah, it was. Um, he ha- it was him, Jack Bruce from Cream on Bass, mm. uh, and Peter Frampton on guitar. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it was a really, that is literally an all star band. <laughs> yeah, and that was in the nineties. Oh, Gary Booker was in it as well. From um, was it Proco Harum? He was and uh-huh. he did White Shade of Pale, and it was just, uh, amazing. Oh yeah, absolutely nice. amazing. So movies in the eighties. Um, what was what films really grabbed you in the eighties? What movies really made you? What, what film did you watch and watch and watch and rewatch over and over? Jeez. Uh, so the John Hughes movies, the the, the first three, Sixteen Candles, um. Uh, Breakfast Club and Weird Science, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay, yeah, that 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 foursome. Watch those over and over and over again. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is probably my favorite '80s movie, just because as a teenager growing up, then that's the movie that I think most closely did the best job at at resembling what what uh, you know what it was like growing up then. Uh, Better Off Dead. Is, a, is another one that that's it's an absolute classic. Uh, I wasn't prepared for a movie question. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, just just shooting from the hip. Top Gun. Everybody loved Top Gun. Risky Business. The Tom Cruise movies. There, uh, those were those were really good. I, I'm the kind of person I will get on uh, a streaming service, whether it's Netflix or Prime or whatever, and I'll. Um, I'll try to find these obscure '80s movies that either I forgot about or never caught the first time. You know, maybe these are um, just basic, you know, throwaway movies, and and I'll watch them just just <laughs> to stay up to up to par. Uh, Saint Elmo's Fire—that's another one I just watched recently that, that has held up pretty well. It's it's you know it's 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 a little cheesy. It's very '80s, which is what I look for when I'm watching those old movies, like. <laughs> How 80s is it? And then, you know, that the big hair and the music and the cars and the attitudes. So, yeah, that's all. It's all great stuff. I mean, if you want to lure me in, uh, just show me a, a cheesy 80s movie. I'm going to fall for it every time. I mean, that's like my, my, my shirt today says save Ferris. So <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's the difference between you and I. You can watch it from a different perspective to me. I can only have a, have a wonder perspective. Like, was it like that? I sort of remember it, but not really remember yeah. it. <laughs> yes. Now, of course, you know, because they're movies, things are a little blown, you know, overblown. Like some of the stereotypes in, uh, in 16 Candles, uh, just they crack me up because, you know, they are partially what it was like but it's just like a very exaggerated version of that uh the characters in breakfast club like i can look at all of them and i could identify people i went to school that with that were like just like each character i wasn't like any of those characters i was just the guy in the hall i was the guy there but was like hey i know that guy that's all i was <laughs> but uh yeah just seeing 
seeing that dynamic play out. I thought they did, they did a beautiful job at at um, at capturing the personalities and and what we tend to to forget a lot of times is is like the teenage experience. Like we look at these kids and their teenage problems. We like, geez, if you guys had any idea what life's going to be like in 20 years, you freak (laughs) out. But the fact that they, they were experiencing this stuff for the first time, you know, like their first heartbreaks, their first kiss, their first, you know, time they drive the car, like all of these firsts for them. And so it's, it's a huge deal. So as you know, having, I've got two adult children now and just, I always had to keep reminding myself, like when they would just freak out over little things, like, okay, they've never experienced this emotion or this scenario before. So I just kind of kind of pump the brakes as a dad and just kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah. You had the movies to guide let, you. Let them, let them live it out. So. <laughs> what I love about the 80s as well, um, technology-wise, there was a little bit of technology in the 80s, but not yeah. a lot like now. And I think, right. that, I think that was a wonderful period for... Like, um, like my house is built in the 1920s and I'll think about all the, all the changes it's seen. Mm. And then when you get yeah. to sort of just even the eighties, which is only a, a wee way ago, like, you know, you didn't have internet, you didn't have mobile phones. Oh. Do you think it was a better yeah. time for that? Um, you know what? I, I think to me looking back then, I'm I'm glad we didn't have a lot of that in a lot in a lot of respects. I, I'm like I I'm like bipolar when it comes to that. <laughs> so on the one hand, it's like you know what we were forced to communicate more. You know, right now it's like I can I like we're setting up this podcast. We're texting each other. Hey, is this time work? Is that time work? We're gonna talk about this, that, and the other. And so you know, they're just so easy to do that. When we were younger, like we'd have to call each other on the phone or talk to each other. <laughs> person like in person oh my oh how would you do that you know you're out at night and you've got to put you know money in a pay phone to call home (laughs) or or something so that part like i remember like my first car i had a cassette deck in it Mm. and then my second car had an eight track player in it wow so i had to to buy a converter to pop into the eight track track slot to drop my cassette in so it would play uh, I remember making mixtapes off of, uh, I had a, a turntable, a, a tuner, and uh, dual cassette decks. I remember having to, you know, put the record on, make the mixtape, uh, or go, you know, it was dual cassettes, I go tape to tape, but like, it would take me hours yeah. to make a mixtape. Now, I can, like, if I wanted to make a mixtape, which I've got a, a, a sidetrack story here. That's fine. I've got this friend and he's, he's got a teenage daughter. She's going to be 14 next month. And so she's, you know, she's a big fan of stranger things. Yeah. I am also a big fan of stranger things. <laughs> so uh, the one character, Sam has, has the Walkman. So she wants a Walkman and her dad, Matt says, well, I don't, uh, you don't have any tapes. <laughs> and, then, and then this light bulb went off his head. He's like, Hey, I know this one dumb guy that will hook you up so what we're doing is i'm creating these playlists and i am burning them to a cd (laughs) and then i've got another friend who still has you know a cassette deck Mm. so i bought all these these cassette tapes so we're going to burn these cds onto cassettes and give them to her with this walkman so she's gonna have a mixtape so we're doing 
you know, stuff that was in Stranger Things, other 80s tunes. Her birthday's in December, so we're going to do like a Christmas one. But then we're going to do one that's going to be songs she listens to now. Oh, nice. So how cool to have a song with like the new Taylor Swift on it on cassette. That's amazing. So. I yeah, like that. that's a really great idea. I've, funny, you, I've, I have a tape deck next to me. <laughs> I've still got there you one. go. See, there you go. <laughs> funny, if, um, so, vinyl's um, going to take a slump soon, and cassettes are taking over. So that fourteen-year-old person is ahead of everybody else. Yeah, um, there you go. Already, vinyl's too expensive, but it started. To <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, we can get cheaper tapes, and which is the same thing back in the back in the eighties, <laughs> back when you know cassettes took over vinyl and sales, and eventually CDs. CDs and cassettes are much cheaper to make than yeah. the vinyl records. So I think it's definitely, it's definitely tapes are coming back. I, I, a lot of record companies are offering cassettes as well, aren't they? So they're, they're definitely coming back. Yeah, they are. You're, well, yeah. Speaking of the technology piece, the, the other part of my personality is how cool would it have been back then to have like, you know, I've got my iPhone here. Like I hear a song played in a movie. I just Shazam it, throw it on a playlist and uh you know we're we're good to go so that was that was uh that was good there sorry, was um, I, uh, right. <laughs> I put a post but, up the um the other day funny enough of um it said the ultimate combo and it was some cassettes um and mm-hmm. it was the uh, do you remember the sony yellow sportsman walkman yes yes absolutely yeah, I, I had one of those and it was amazing it was meant to be waterproof and the clock didn't work on the front but i absolutely loved it and i put that as a post and everybody was resharing that one it was like the forgotten one is ah oh, that one i remember that one but I, you know i'd love to get one of those now if i could drag a oh, piece, yeah. piece of 80s tech now it would be it would be that that walkman i'd love to have one of those again oh and, yeah now to, to get it to get a genuine like that one like that now it costs about three hundred dollars US, so I don't wow. know what that what that transfers over for you, but uh, that's that's pretty expensive. It's about two. Uh, but you can yeah. you can get knockoffs, um, you know, for under thirty forty dollars. So, I, I want to get yeah. one. Yeah, it's just yeah. I, be, I have one. No have one. way. Yes. No way. That will be the that be the posing kit to get next in London. That will be the. You know, oh that, yes, you can tell yes. that is the People next. Would be, they would be beating you up to to steal that. <laughs> Give me that eighties Walkman, you. So, yeah, <laughs> so yes. let's let's talk telly. What what sort of programs did you watch in the eighties? Was it like for me? I was little, so it was A Team and stuff like that. Were you mm-hmm. were you older than the A Team, or you, was you into that sort of stuff? And Man well, and yeah, it, it's funny because I remember in the early part of the eighties, um, I you know I would I would watch some TV, uh, I would watch sports. But I would watch uh, like the Dukes of Hazard was yeah, a popular nice. show here. Just a bunch of I don't know if they did they have that there. They did. Yeah, it was, a a, show? it was a Saturday afternoon program. Okay, yeah. So it was yeah. on Friday nights here. So I, we would watch that, and my mom would watch. Well, we watched that and The Incredible Hulk, and then Dallas would come on after that. That's about the time I checked out. I'd go play video games or something. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I watched that. I, I remember watching Miami Vice and liking that. Um, Thursday nights here, we would get the Cosby show and family ties and cheers and night court. And we watched that. That was the the biggest TV rated day was Thursday evenings. And NBC was the the network that carried those and that they were the, the number one network at that time. But I didn't like watch a ton of TV as a older teenager because it's like the last thing I wanted to do was be home on a Friday night 
right. watching TV. Like <laughs> I should be out cruising. I should be going to the movies. We should be going to football games. We should be doing anything but sitting at home. Like Saturday nights, we go to the local pizza place and everybody would hang out in the parking lot all night and just you know, do that stuff. So TV w- was not, it, if, if you like on my podcast, we'll talk sometimes about 80s TV. And uh, it was probably the later 80s. Like I was, I got married in 1988. So 88, 89, 90, watched a whole lot more TV because, you know, there's no money to do the carefree things of your youth. You're at home <laughs> watching TV. So it's uh, <laughs> that was that was a little different but yeah i'd say those were the shows that that i remember the most um i watched i watched professional wrestling back then so i would watch uh, the nwa and the wwf back then so i'd watch those were typically like saturday afternoon early saturday evening shows and then once wrestling was off i'm out it's it's crazy when you like with the wrestling and with the A team for our argument's sake, when you look back with, we used to watch that with such innocent eyes that in the A team, you know, they could shoot a thousand bullets and no one would get killed. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then right at the beginning when the, the, the Jeep flips over, now when you look at it, you can see the ramp hidden behind the really rubbish bush. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very cheesy. Yeah, no. yeah I, I watched a little A team. Uh, my younger brother, uh, he was eight years younger than me. He he was a big fan of the A team and all of those kind of shows like Knight Rider yeah, and nice. some of that kind of stuff. Like I would see that and go, "Oh, that's cute. That's kid stuff." I'm gonna go see if I can find a girl to kiss. So. <laughs> my mate, um, when I used to hash shave my mate, and he he rebought a lot of those box sets, um, mm-hmm. like the A team and bits and bobs. MacGyver was the other one. Nice, um, yeah. And bits and bobs. Looking that. back now, I, I like some of those reruns of MacGyver and, and some of those. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 it's fine. I know what you mean, but it's one of those things where you, I kind of watched a few episodes and I was kind of like, it's kind of killing it for me now. You know, like it's killing the illusion a bit. And I kind of like, yes. Oh, am I going to end up hating this program now? I'm older. So, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So I kind of stopped watching them after that. And he says, I said, what after the run? I said, did you enjoy watching them all again? And he went, yeah, they're all right. So I thought, oh, if that was just. It wasn't like, oh, it was great to see it all again and bits and bobs like that. And it's just like, um, do you remember Manimal? Yeah. Do you remember Manimal? Like, I want to watch Manimal again. But then the question is, do I want to watch Manimal? Is is the question. Yeah. We're like, we're like yeah. I think it's rubbish. Is it going to mess with the illusion? Yeah. I remember <laughs> as a kid, uh, my favorite cartoon, like I would rush home from school every day to watch Speed Racer. I don't know if right. Speed Racer thing is that, there. Is that the white one? Is it a white car and a white... As a, yes white car it was it was uh it was very early anime mm. and you know it's translated over for english but um i would love to get home and watch that so years later there was a revival of it like people were getting the old episodes and stuff and and i bought uh, i got bought a couple of vhs tapes like oh, that's my childhood i want to watch this i'm watching it going really that's <laughs> i like this that much back then? what was i thinking <laughs> It's just innocent eyes, isn't it? I mean, we were yeah. lucky in the eighties that there was a lot of genres around. Uh, yeah, so you had, like you had electro and pop and glam. Was there a genre you that didn't really hit home with you? Is anything? You said, oh, I can't stand it. Was it like that that sort of genre? Um, not too much. Um, because I liked a little bit of everything and a lot of some things. I guess the things that annoyed me the most were like um some of the pop music the american pop music at the time like uh... ready to pop the question 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, Tiffany and Debbie Gibson, like the, the girl singers. Um, not, nothing against girl singers, because like, you know, I hear some women like Stevie Nicks or Pat Benatar or Hart or somebody like that. Um, Allison Moyer, like Annie Lennox, great vocalist, love to hear him. But some of that that teeny bopper Paul Abdul kind of stuff, uh, I didn't hate it, but that would be what make me most likely to change the channel back in those days. <laughs> and obviously at MTV as well in America, which is fantastic. Oh, MTV was. I was watching MTV on day one when it launched. So was it was, I, it, a, was it like a cultural thing where it was it was everywhere all the time? Is that right? That's the impression um, you get in England. Well, when it when it first started, it was in very limited markets. Uh, the people that that founded MTV was trying to really shop it around before they before it was launched, and not a lot of cable companies were were buying it. They're kind of like, well, let's see how it does in your test markets and see what happens then. Uh, I happen to live in um, Grove City, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus, which is middle America. And the cable system we had was Warner, which later became Time Warner and AOL Time Warner and Ted Turner owned it and all that other stuff. But uh, there was a show we had on Friday nights called Sight on Sound. Right. So what it was, it was interactive cable. So you had this cable box, we had buttons on it. And they would show you videos, you know, you Van Halen and Devo and the Who and whoever, like every week there was, it was about an hour long show. And at the end, they would show tiny clips of them and you'd vote one through five or whatever, how, you know, which one you liked. Well, that show became so popular. It was very local. And that show was so popular that there's like, ah, we need to do more with this. So. MTV, like MTV was birthed largely because of my town being a test market because Columbus, Ohio, back then, and even still kind of today, is considered like the most average town in America. Like, (laughs) you know, I mean, there's a mix of blue collar, of white collar, financial people. There's a lot of tech in this area. So it's just it's just just a, a very big melting pot of people. So that was one of the many factors in helping launch MTV. So when MTV finally came on, our cable system was one of the first charter, you know, uh, cable networks that, you know, cable companies that had MTV. Mm -hmm. So fun story. um, 
we probably all know that video killed the radio star was the first video played on MTV. Uh, I had my, my, I was out with friends and I got home because I knew MTV was launching. I want to be home by midnight when it came on. Yeah. I didn't get home until after video number two played. So I'm watching uh, you better run by Pat Benatar. And then they, you know, after that, they started have, we had the VJs and stuff like that. But um, at first it was, you know, it's kind of like a word of mouth thing. I remember talking to kids at school who hadn't heard of it, but by within the first month or two, three months, everybody's watching like, Hey, did you see this new Adam and the ants video? Or did you see like they had a journey concert on Saturday night? Did you catch that? So we're, you know, not only seeing these bands we'd only heard on the radio, but we're seeing these bands from across the pond that we had, you know, most of the, most of my friends didn't really pay attention to. I was a little different because I would go and do, um, uh, I would go to my, I would subscribe to Rolling Stone magazine. And in that they would, they would review chart. They would review albums that, you know, cause we didn't have, uh, again, to back up just a little bit, not to get too much off on a rabbit trail, but, um, (laughs) In the U.S., if you wanted to hear like alternative or progressive music, you would have to listen to it on college radio stations. Right. So basically, these college kids, part of their <clears throat> college credits, are playing you know these REM records and you know Dead Kennedys and the Smiths and stuff like this. And like we, where I was at, we there was no exposure to them. So I would get like Rolling Stone magazine, read about the album reviews. There's charts in the back. I could see like the British charts, the college station charts. I'm like. I want to hear some of that. And so MTV comes along and we're hearing some of that. Again, they became more progressive later, but it was probably, I want to guess MTV launches in 81. I would say toward probably a year later, like the summer of 82 going into 83, it became that cultural phenomenon where every, cause it, it grew fast because once, yeah. once the test markets were overwhelming, the other, you know, the, the ad campaign was, I want my MTV. They kept encouraging you, call your cable operator now and tell them I want my MTV. And you got Billy Idol and, <laughs> and Pete Townsend and Sting and David Bowie and Mick Jagger. These guys are on these little MTV ads. Yeah. And so for us, it was, uh, it was for me personally, it was really cool to see MTV grow. And then they, they eventually um, became so huge that they, they thought they were too good to just play music videos. They had their own original uh, shows that became the train wreck it is today. Eventually, <laughs> so. They were saying, uh, and obviously a dire straits had it in um, money for nothing in the start, isn't it? It was sting actually singing it. I want yes. TV, that, I'll yeah. tell you what, as, as a huge, huge police fan, they're one of my, they're one of my top five bands uh, just hearing it and liking dire straits anyway, but not loving them. But yeah. hearing sting do the opening that opening, I want my MTV. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I have died and gone to heaven. This is a great collaboration. And I love it. So, and then when they did it at Live Aid, I just thought it was amazing. Yeah, it's Absolutely. good. That's a good version as well. I was. Yes. Um, it's funny that they're clamming for everything '80s. Talking of MTV, I was watching the Weirdo Yankovic movie yesterday. I have not watched that yet. I I want to. Uh, yeah. I I heard it was pretty good. A little quirky. It is. Yeah. There's there's. Um, for people that don't know, um, especially in England, Widow Yankovic was a parodist 
So he would parody songs. So he had um, Eat It instead of Beat It. And then he had um, Like a Surgeon instead of Like a Virgin. <laughs> yes. By Madonna. And I think he's only an American invention that would have worked in America. I don't think the British would have took to it if it was an English. Yeah. Artist. Well, you know, a lot of, a lot of, I think they may have took to it, but I think uh, Weird Al, his, his whole shtick, like when I think about, I can't think of a lot of, of British songs he did. Like he's covering people like Julio and Madonna and um, uh, Tony Basil. I'm thinking Mickey, he did Ricky kind of parroting. And Nirvana. I love Lucy. Yeah. 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 He did. uh, Smells like, smells like Nirvana instead of smells like team spirit. So I think maybe if he had maybe concentrated more on some of the British stuff, I think they would have got it, you know, just, that British sense of humor, they they love parody, just like even probably more than we do. So I think uh, that there should have been a British version of Weird Al or he could have expanded. (laughs) But here's the other thing too, that I think may have been, may have been a little difficult for him. He would actually go to the artists who he would parody and like, Hey, can I have your permission Hmm. to rip off your song? And some of them just like Prince would never allow it. Yeah. He's way too serious a musician. And it, it seems like the Brits a lot of time took themselves very seriously. Like, this is our <laughs> art. And the Americans are like, well, I can make a buck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that they would sell out a lot easier. So I, I think that may have had a little bit of something to, to do with why he just, you know. But when he started becoming more more popular, um, he uh, people wanted him to do their stuff. Like Michael Jackson was super excited when he did eat it. Yeah. Like it was wonderful. So the the first the first time I ever heard Weird Al was uh there's a show called Dr. Demento. Right. And it was a syndicated show. And I I don't know if you, you you're nodding like, yeah, I know what you're talking I about. I know him because of the film last night. I watched the film okay, only gotcha. last night. So I know he is because saw him. I'm so, yeah, and it's played by Rain Wilson. Oh, is he really? Oh yeah. my gosh, I, lo- I I love The Office. Um, yeah. I like the American version better because I get the humor a little more. <laughs> but um, but I do like the British version. But um, so the Doctor Demento show was a syndicated show where he would do parodies, goofy songs, like any any offbeat whatever you can imagine. You know, you would hear it on here, and locally we would hear it on a station called QFM ninety six. And they would play it on Sunday nights. You know, right. the, the normal rock crowd wasn't really turning into your Dr. Demento. All of us preteens or so forth would. And he did Another One Rides the Bus. <laughs> That's right. At the peak of Another One Bites the Dust popularity. And if you've heard it, it's just him in a, in a bad acoustic room with his accordion and <laughs> another guy beating on a box or something for the, for the beat. And he's just making fart noises. And, and it just, it, it is a train wreck that cracked me up. Like I'm 14. <laughs> I know another one, right. Bites the dust is one of my favorite songs, but then hearing that, I'm like, Oh my gosh. And then he just, he just took off from there. But, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, the problem with the movie is it's so goofy, like his lifestyle that you don't know which bits are true, which bits are nonsense. So according to the film, he recorded that in a toilet, which would make sense because it had acoustics yeah. in it. Yeah. But um, 
you know, and I'm not going to give away the film to you, but in that, apparently he's at a party and then John Deacon from Queen says, like, do you want to do my song? Like, I can't imagine John Deacon ever saying that to anybody. Yes. <laughs> it's just, so, I mean, and to have Daniel Radcliffe playing him as well, I mean, you could not get a bigger TV movie star to play someone in England that not a lot of people know about. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's brilliant. I mean, anyone that doesn't know his material, I would say just check him out because he's really fun. And um, oh yeah, when he does, um, he writes his own songs. He does it. I came in at the um, Teen Spirit album. Um, mm-hmm. Smells like Teen Spirit. He does a song called "You Don't Love Me Anymore," and, and mm-hmm. it's about his wife or his girlfriend making out with the whole hockey team, cutting the brakes on his car. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got. I got a funny feeling. You don't love me anymore. <laughs> so, so when he does actually write his own ones, they're really good. <laughs> So, but it's it's a great movie. It's going to come out everywhere soon. So if you get a chance, check it out. So um, let's talk about why do you think people like like the eighties, Rob? What was it about the eighties that people liked? Do you think? Um, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. I think it's because we know how it ends. You know, yeah. it's like 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 for us that grew up then, it's like we we know how nineteen eighty began and we know how nineteen eighty nine ended. We know we've got all this jam packed memories there again. This is when we're still innocent. This is before we had the responsibilities. So it's a safe place to go back to. And then I I see like this resurgence now of, you know, everything 80s. You know, Stranger Things is a good example. Um, Do you guys get the Goldbergs there? We do, yeah. Okay, so the Goldbergs is a very popular show here. It takes place in the 80s. So these kids are looking back. They think it's kind of funny. They're hearing Mm. this music, a lot of them for the first time. Not my kids. I parented my kids way better than that. They grew up on this <laughs> music. So if they were getting interviewed right now, they my daughter could probably tell you who sung just about every every yeah. uh, every song. <laughs> any, I, I would put her up against most people that grew up then, as far as uh, being able to remember what was uh, what was popular back then. So. I, I mean, I think a lot of it as well was to do with the aesthetics around it. It was a very colorful time. I, I yes. It being, yes. Not just sunshine like a little kid would remember, but everything was like neon and bright and yeah, like... bright clothes. And to me, that kind of reflected the culture of the time too. They were optimistic times. Not even not just for teenagers, but I think adults too. I think it was it was a it was a good time. We felt safe. Uh, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of at least that I remember. It, it didn't feel like a lot of controversial stuff there weren't like rioting and things like that you know at least in, in the free world right yeah um uk and and in the u.s canada you know that, that there wasn't a lot of of that kind of stuff and prior to people just it, it, i think as as politics has become more part of our lives and our culture it's kind of taken over the attitude of a lot of the people so yeah. everybody kind of tend, seems like they're there's just a lot of tension uh, that, that, you know, quite frankly, wasn't there, you know, 35, 40 years ago. Yeah, more of an innocent time mentally. Yeah, nice. Yeah, right. So, Robbie, you do a fantastic podcast. Let's talk about your podcast, like how you got it together and just what it's <laughs> mainly about. Can you give me a little bit of history about that? Uh, yeah, thanks. So uh, with me, I, I've always I've always kind of dabbled in it. I would make mixtapes for friends as a kid, um, teenager, mix CDs for adults. I even still put playlists together for people now. Like, hey, you know what? I, I, I want something like my buddy Matt a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey, you should create a podcast 
it's cool for just like sitting around, the, you know, the the campfire and chilling. So I made a, a podcast like that, or not a podcast, mm-hmm. a, a playlist. So uh, I was I was toying with the idea of doing my own online '80s radio station. Right. Like you know, I'm again. I was maybe would broadcast a couple hours a week, but just kind of put it on like a just on a rotation on a loop. Um, you know, I've got so much music. Uh, my hard drive has got about 400,000 songs on it. Right. And so I, I've, I've got so much music and, you know, so much, so much eighties music that I could drop, drop them on a server and do it. Uh, as I began to look into it, uh, it would have cost me a lot of money to do that, <laughs> the rights to that music. Now I could pay for it with sponsors, but I didn't have the time, energy or patience to, you know, I've got a full-time job. I, uh, I, I, I work at a bank. I've been, you know, working for the same company. It's, uh, I, I probably shouldn't talk about my job so much, but it's one of the largest banks in the U S I've been there for 20 years. So, you know, I you know, get to the place where I, I can't really leave the day job <laughs> and do my <laughs> hobby. So, so I'm like, well, I scrapped that idea. And, uh, eventually I thought, um, People are, were just listening to podcasts a lot. So this is 2020. And I thought, you know what? I, I'm i going to do a podcast. So uh, my wife at the time uh, had bought me this microphone. She says, here, do what you do best. <laughs> like, what's that? She's like, talk. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thanks. So uh, so I, I thought, well, what am I talk about? I thought, well, I can probably have a conversation with people talking about 80s stuff all night long. So I thought, you know, I, I I adore and love pop culture. And if I did something 80s based, it would be a lot of fun. So uh, the first thing I did was I launched a Facebook page and called it Living in the 80s. So I, I was going to call it, uh, I want to go back. Mm. And it was a 80, uh, Eddie Money song. I don't know if Eddie Money's big over there or not, but just typical heartland rock, uh, middle right. America, just, you know, just straight ahead rock and roll. I thought, well, that doesn't really identify it too much. And because I listen to music constantly, like as I'm working, there's always music playing in the background, constantly <laughs> I'm in the car, you know, wherever I'm at, uh, I'm, I'm sending friends songs all the time and they mostly like it. Sometimes I'll probably aggravate them, but um, <laughs> there is a song called eighties by the band killing joke. Right. And the chorus is like, I'm living in the 80s. Like, oh, okay, great. I'm going to call it living in the 80s. <laughs> so that that's how the, the name was born. And I just, uh, the first couple episodes is just me behind the microphone, just talking, talk, you know, a couple topics. And I'm talking to a friend of mine, Matt, who's got this tremendous sense of humor. Mm. And uh, him and I together just really bounce each off of each other and finish each other's sentences a lot and just, we, we get each other. So I needed somebody to banter with in order for the podcast to, to, to work. I mean, it, it worked okay. Just me talking, I think, but I have more energy when I've got somebody that it's I'm engaged with. Yeah. So yeah. that that's how, and it was just him and I for a few episodes and I started getting more topics. I was getting more subject experts. Like I, you know, did one on 
pro wrestling of the eighties. So I've, I have a friend who actually is an amateur professional wrestler. Wow. Uh, who, who also works at the same bank I work at. So I'm talking <laughs> to him. He's like, Oh yeah, I've watched all that stuff in the eighties. So we <clears> just <throat> did a podcast on eighties wrestling. And then we start talking about TV shows and movies and it started expanding and growing out from there. And then I've got these other friends that I, I grew up with or have met along the way. They're like, you know, they get me. And, and so you know, we may have a round table discussion now. So that that's how it was birthed and that, and it has continued to grow, mm. which uh, it kind of surprises me because, you know, I went in with extremely low expectations. I thought I want to put together a podcast, one for posterity. I can just <laughs> record my thoughts and keep them. And like, you know, just kind of remember that these good old times, but then when you get to do it with friends, it makes yeah. it a little cool. Because yeah, then yeah. it's like, oh, I can, I've got these recordings with these friends of mine. And uh, one of my very favorite podcasts I did, two of them, one of them was with the, my two best friends growing up. Their names David and Arthur, uh, Art. And um, we were talking ab about uh, our favorite 80s rock albums. And so it's just, I, I Art joins me sometimes now. David's, his he, he's not as comfortable behind the microphone. I had to really like twist his arm and blackmail him and all <laughs> kinds of stuff to get him on here. But to have that episode of just us together was awesome. And then my very, very favorite one so far has been uh, a couple of years ago, me and my daughter did one about eighties Christmas movies. Oh, nice. She grew up on them. So she, she, I mean, she'll start watching Christmas movies in, in August. I'm like, Kayla, <laughs> we have got to do this podcast. Of course she was all in. She did an amazing job. But uh, that was one of the reasons, the posterity point of it. But as as it was out there and it continued to grow and friends are sharing the, the, the podcast, they're sharing the Facebook page. And next thing you know, like we are, we are one of the, we're in the top 10 percentile globally of listen to podcasts. We just heard this a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, huh. Fantastic. Good I, I had no idea. Like, I don't know what we're ranked. Like, <laughs> and I, I said on the podcast, I said, Joe Rogan, we're coming for you. <laughs> Joe, Joe Rogan has got, you know, I don't know if anybody knows who he is there, but he's, he's a, he's an all around um, host here. He's host TV shows, game shows. He's uh, MMA announcers. He's done lots of stuff. And so he's got the top rated podcast in the world. And I like your next buddy. We're coming after you. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, if that'll ever even we 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 are a fleck of dust compared to what well, I'm high, my friend. But, you, you never know. Yeah, I'm high. Yeah, but, but yeah, that that's how that that's kind of how our how our podcast works. Um, we just we just enjoy it. it it's so fun getting together because you know I'll get pizza. They'll come over. We'll eat. We'll talk about what we're going to do. We have the podcast, and uh, I do drop a lot of music uh, in, but in, in the conversation. And so it'll like a, a one hour podcast may take me three hours because of all the music clips I drop in and little <laughs> nuggets and Easter eggs and stuff. So I don't know if anybody pays attention, but you know, some people like it, I guess, because they, I, I, I guess very positive feedback. So that's always good. Someone will always notice, won't they? Someone always, always notices. So how do, how do yes. you pick your subject subjects for the, the podcast? You just do it when you're having the pizza. You don't, you write a list down. Uh, of... No, we'll usually, um, talk about it a few weeks ahead of time like we met for dinner like me and my four core guys me kevin mike and matt uh we met for dinner 
oh, say back in July, and we'll say, okay, for the next, you know, 20 weeks, let's let's get 20 topics we're going to talk about. And so we'll just throw them out there. And that's how the we did one last week that was like uh, political or um, uh, social awareness type songs, you know, more serious stuff, a lot of U2 and Sting and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, so we did that one. So that that came that was birthed out of that conversation. You know, uh, this past week we did it on um, uh, or this coming week. Yeah. We're doing it on bad eighties fashions. And there's a lot of them. Trust me. Because everybody thinks, Oh yeah. Eighties clothes are so cool and stuff. Like, I don't think they remember the mullet very well. I don't think they remembered like, like in, in, in the U S it was, it it was one of the dumbest fashions ever with sweatpants with like gym shorts over top of them. (laughs) Uh, Cut off shirts, like cut off right, right above the, the navel there. So, um, just some of the bad, bad fashion. So we, it's a two part episode. The first one, it's the guys talking, right? The following week is going to be girls as they remember some of the bad things, two two different perspectives. So yeah, we just kind of sit there and like, whatever sticks. Now there's a lot of ideas that we end up never going with, but that brainstorming part is really fun because, you know, we just write (laughs) down everything and see what, see what we'll come back with. Talking of fashion, what were those things? Were they called dealy boppers? They were like a headband with a spring on it. And then people would, they had like hearts on them and people would move them Oh, around. yeah. They'd kind of dangle, sort yeah. of. I don't know what they were called, but they were kind of dumb looking. I remember yeah. those. Yeah, they were just dreadful. Well, one of the worst, I don't know if they had them there, but like like painter's hats with like flaps on the back. <laughs> like like kind of like Rusty War in the original Vacation movie. Yeah, like the French Legion kind of hat. Yes. Oh my gosh, these were so ugly. I don't. I can't. Yeah. I had one. Really? I, I didn't wear it that much. I think I pretty quickly realized I looked like a dork. I remember my so. dad had a pair of those glasses that you put on. They were like made out of tubes, and you could put it into your pint of beer and drink through the glasses. Oh yeah, you can <laughs> suck it right out. Yes, <laughs> those are great those. for sporting events. Yeah. <laughs> oh, insanity! Absolute insanity. No wonder everyone loved it. So, where can yeah. people get the podcast if they want to hear it? Where's the best place to find it? Uh, you, you, there's lots of different outlets. You can hear it. You can hear it on Apple music, on Spotify, on Amazon music, iHeartRadio. Um, there's about a dozen different outlets. So if you just Google living in the eighties podcast, yeah. you'll be able to find it pretty quickly. Um, our website is living in the eighties.us. So from there, you can link it from there. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of links and, and things like that, including, you know, to, to you. So that's right. Yeah. You know. So if you're listening and you're on my website, you can find it under the eighties goodies page, go along, yeah. click the top, pop down and there's Rob sitting there. And, uh, what's nice is every time you upload an episode, it'll update as well. So you'll get the newest episode that Rob releases. So yeah. it won't, it, it's not like you'll get the same one for the next five years. Yeah. <laughs> so every time yeah. you do it, you'll get like, an absolute Holy cow. Brilliant. When's this thing going to go away? <laughs> yeah. So if you, if you could um, have one record from the eighties and one only, which one would you have? I would have Shabu Shuba by NXS. Wow. That's, that an is, that, that's my favorite 80s album. Fantastic. That has evolved. For a long time, it was the Joshua Tree that wow. became that. Yeah. And the same question for singles. Which single would you bring back? Uh, Stone in Love by Journey. Wow. Nice. It's, it, 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 is, it sounds like an 80s Friday night. It sounds like First Love. It sounds like 
big guitars and good times and carefree, just loving life. So that's that's the song that I just when I think eighties, that's the song that I automatically gravitate towards. Fantastic, and one movie, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> I've never seen it. Believe it. Or not. You oh, Robbie, <laughs> stop what you're doing. Stop this podcast. Go watch it. Sean Penn, D.B. <laughs> Cates, Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh, my. That is a phenomenal. If you want to know what the 80s were like in yeah. America, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is definitely your movie. Somehow, I've just never seen it. But <laughs> Wow, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, you, you are going to fall in love with it. Cameron Crowe, a little backstory on it. Cameron Crowe wrote, uh, he... He kind of looked younger than his age, and so he infiltrated this high school. Of course, the the people, you know, the the, the school board or whoever allowed him to. He told him what he was going to do. Yeah, and so he went in and he just kind of hung out, fly on the wall, just going to classes, observing uh, the interaction between the teenagers and so forth. And then he wrote a book about it. Right, and then the book became a movie. And uh, it, it, you know, made a star out of Sean Penn. He was nothing before that movie. Wow. And, uh, he, you know, he's the biggest star, but there's several people. Forrest Whitaker, Oscar winner. He, he, was, <laughs> he was in that movie. And so uh, Nicolas Cage, it's his first movie. He has no speaking lines in it. He just plays uh, one of the character's friends. It's just kind of always there, kind of hanging out. He, <laughs> he doesn't say anything. And he's actually... Bo- Build as his actual name is Nicholas Coppola. Right. So, yeah, so he's just like an extra at the end. You see his name in the credits. But, yeah, that is, uh, that is, that is just a phenomenal. So, is it partly based on truth as well? Some of it. Oh, yeah, very much. He said the characters are very much based upon people that he observed while he was there. Wow. So, when you see Spicoli, who's like the surfer dude, stoner bud, you know, he's just, you know, he's, he's out there. It's very much based on a real person. And what happened was Cameron Crowe wrote that part. Sean Penn knew a guy like that. So he actually did his best impression of this guy he grew up with that right. fit the mold of what Cameron Crowe had written. So it was, uh, yeah, it, it's it's great. It is, uh, I mean, I can't talk in that, especially if you haven't seen the movie before. I just can't, <laughs> I can't tell you enough how, if, how American teenage life that was. So th- 1982, time capsule, that's it. I think it's on Netflix, I will have to have a look for it. And um, oh, maybe yeah. you, could, you could do a podcast about um, famous actors that had bit parts that didn't say anything, like because Billy Zane was in Back to the Future, wasn't he? And he didn't oh, say yeah, anything. yeah. He had, <laughs> yes, with, with all of uh, Biff's little cronies. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to write that down right now. Before they were stars-ish, I'll remember this conversation. Yeah, I'm actually literally writing that down. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. yeah, folks. If you make that's going to be a future one, we'll give you full credit, Robbie. Yeah, if you make so. a million quid, I want some money. <laughs> yes, we will. Yeah, we'll get, we'll monetize you very well. <laughs> uh, Rob, it's been lovely chatting with you today. And um, just one Likewise. more time, where can people get your show? Uh, just anywhere, just Google living in the eighties podcast. Uh, it'll pop up any of your browsers. It'll pop up. Um, uh, probably most of our listeners come from Apple music and Spotify, Okay, but they're, 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 they're all over. 
great. Living in the 80s, check it out. It's a fantastic podcast. And hopefully I can guest on it one day with you and your mates. That'd be awesome. Dude, I yes, they, we will we will have to make it happen. I think it's going to have to be a music episode. Oh, I like it. Cuz <laughs> yeah, we'll, we will we will create a way to make you part of that. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Magic. Well, you're it, it first. <laughs> it's another exclusive. <laughs> that's um, right. Thanks, Robbie. It's been amazing. Thanks for today. Likewise. Thank you. I appreciate it. The show is produced, edited, and presented by Robbie. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review.